This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome indeed to your Thursday Rush Hour. James Golden, Bo Snurdly here with you on WABC in New York. Be part of today's program. All you have to do. Pick up your telephone, if you have one. There might be some people listening here that don't have one. They don't let cell phones in jail, for instance. But they do let radios in jail. So if you have a phone and you want to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 is the number. And we look forward to speaking with you. There is so much happening in the news. One of the best stories of the year has come out today. In fact, this may rank as one of the best stories of the decade. (sighs) Angela Davis. Now, the young tykes in the room may not know who Angela Davis is. Scott, do you know who Angela Davis is? Not ringing a bell. Not ringing a bell. Diego, do you know who Angela Davis is? (laughs) No idea. (laughs) Ha ha, young boys, they don't even know who Angela Davis is. Angela Davis was one of the most visible, outspoken revolutionaries back in the day. In fact, she was at one point put in jail, former Black Panther, she's a Black Panther, and she is a radical activist. There were free Angela posters. I had one. Many of us back in the day had one because Angela Davis was foine beyond measure. She had the big afro. She had she had it going on. She was back in the day, Angela Davis was the cat's meow. She was fine. And she was smart. And she was sassy. And she was a revolutionary. And she was black power. And she had the clenched fist. And she had it all going on. She was back in, these are the Patty Hearst SLA days. These are the days when the Black Panthers and the Weather Underground and the SDS, Students for a Democrat Society, these were the days when Democrat liberals were tearing up Chicago like they tear up uh, uh, Portland these days. These were the original hippies. These were back when it all was just the, the, the summer of love and the summer of riots and all the rest of it. Angela Davis was a central key figure. 
and she was fine. And those free Angela posters sold like crazy. She was the epitome of the black power movement. And then she went on to become a professorette at Berkeley. And then she's, you know, been she was a communist. She was an open communist. And in those days, the FBI under the corrupt J. Edgar Hoover, they did not have tolerance for communists. Well, Angela Davis, Ms. Black Power, showed up on PBS, the show that explores your roots, your roots. <sighs> With Lewis, Henry Lewis Gates Jr. This is the show where they go through your GM. Now, Angela Davis looks like her great-grandmother now. She's And I still think that she's beautiful. She's an older woman now, a quite mature woman. But Angela Davis is not the young, foxy little thing that she was back in the day. But she's still a radical. She's still a radical. Just go ahead and Google it if you can. If you're near a computer, Google the free Angela posters and see what the, because, you know, they were so popular. Right, and Google, and look and see what I'm talking about. Angela Davis. So she was on with Henry Louis Gates. Yes, she was involved in a shooting. Jimmy is on the line from the Bronx. We're going to take a call. Jimmy, we're not even going to wait for calls. We're going to get busy. Jimmy, tell us what you know about Angela Davis. Well, I remember that had to be back in the, I think it was the 70s. when The, the 70s, she, yep. She, she was a radical, and... Then she was being arrested, and they they had a shootout with the state troopers. They killed uh, one or two state troopers, as I recall. And then she had made an escape, and uh, she's been living happily in Cuba. No, wrong one. You're talking about Joanne Chesimard, another one. Joanne Chesimard's two-packs on, one-pack, two-packs on. He died with one-pack. He didn't have both packs when he died because somebody shot off one of his packs. But... Anyway, that's Joanne Chesimard. You have her mixed up with Angela Davis. Joanne Chesimard was another of the black radicals. And Joanne Chesimard was involved, and it was a shootout with troopers, but it was a bank robbery in New Jersey. And she's supposed to be uh, having a life sentence, but she fled to Cuba, which, and she has been living in Cuba ever since. But that's not Angela Davis. And the two women do not look alike. Because let me tell you, Angela was fine back in the day. Ugh, the stuff that dreams are made of when you're 16, 15, 14, and 13. So anyway, but thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. So anyway, Angela Davis goes on with Henry Louis Gates. And what do they find out? Angela Davis is the black radical the icon of black radical females in the world. Angela Davis is descended from people that were on the Mayflower. Y'all can't get any more whitey-tighty than that, okay, from the Mayflower. And not only that, not only that, it gets even better. 
Angela Davis also in her ancestral lineage has relatives that owned slaves. They owned slaves. Like Kamala Harris. You do know that Kamala Harris comes from her 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 daddy's side of the family. Did you know that, Diego? Did you know that the vice president of the United States on her daddy's side of the family, they own slaves? Did you know that? No, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you know that, Scott, that, uh, that yes, com- yes, yes, Kamala comes yes. from slave-bearing uh, genes? In Jamaica. In Jamaica. Own yeah. some of them slaves in Jamaica. Well, now Angela Davis, revolutionary, activist, Black Panther icon. Not only does she hail her descendants, some of them, from the Mayflower, the original colonizers, the original 1619 bunch. Well, I know it wasn't 1619, but I'm just saying. All of it. Angela Davis, colonizer roots and slave roots. Now, if one thing ought to show you the fallacy of this entire reparations argument, this one story does it. It's one of the most famed liberal radical activists on the left. Straight up commie. She, she passed socialist and went straight to commie. And it turns out the Ms. Angela Davis, Professorette Angela Davis, comes from the colonizers. Brought to you by slave owners in America. Yes, only in America, my friends. And boy, oh boy, was she surprised when Henry Gates Jr. sprung it on her. There's other news besides Angela Davis that we can talk about. Harvey Weinstein, you remember that name, Big Democrat Donny Donor? The big, big chief, Hollywood chief, everything. He's already in jail. But now he's had an additional sentence. Harvey Weinstein has been sentenced to 16 years. Convicted of rape. Effectively ensuring that he will spend the rest of his life behind bars. The three charges which he was uh, convicted on were based on counts relating to Jane Doe number one, a European model who testified she was raped by Harvey Weinstein in 2013. He's 71 years old, already in jail. I think he had gotten something like a 30-year sentence or something like that originally, 20 years. But now the second sentence of 16 years means ain't no way he's getting out. Prosecutors had wanted a 24-year sentence. He didn't get that, but 16 years should do it. So 
And I think there are some more cases still pending against Mr. Weinstein. He's not the only one that had a come up in today. R. Kelly. R. Kelly, who's already serving 30 years. 30 years. Has been sentenced now to another 20. He is going to serve those sentences concurrent, uh, concurrently, though, so that just means he'll have one year added to the 30. But R. Kelly, R. Kelly's going to be in jail for a long time to come. So while he's in that little cell, remembering how it was on those videos with them little young, pretty YT girls, underage, Perhaps he'll just want to fly away. Somewhere other than his miserable little jail cell. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's Santana Day here. We'll tell you why when we get back. And your calls are coming up, 800-848-WABC. So whatever you do, don't go away. We're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. WABC Talk Radio 77. It is Santana Day here on Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. Diego, explain Santana Day. This is Santana Day because in... um, on this day in 2000, Mexican-born American musician Carlos Santana won eight Grammy Awards for Supernatural, tying the record set by Michael Jackson. The album was nominated for a total of 12 Grammys. The Grammy goes to Record of the Year, Smooth, Album of the Year, Supernatural, Best Pop Performance by a Tuo or Group with Vocals, Maria Maria, Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals for Smooth, Best Pop Instrumental Performance for El Farol. 
Best rock performance by a duo or group with vocal, Put Your Lights On. Best rock instrumental performance for The Calling. And best rock album, Supernatural. The album has sold over 30 million copies worldwide and hit number one over 11 countries. <laughs> Santana. And I love this album like many of you do. 30 million copies sold. Now, Angela Davis. Some of us had the poster. One of us at this radio station had a wife that looked like Angela Davis. Curtis? You're damn right. She, as you said, was foxy and hot. And I met Corinne Drayton on Osborne and Hegeman in the heart of Brownsville, Brooklyn. Ended up marrying her because she looked just like Angela Davis. When I tell you that Angela Davis was a hottie, Avery, you don't understand. Back in the day, you know, we didn't have internet. You couldn't just get on and see, you know, whatever. You had magazines, your TV shows. You had three channels, network channels, and two or three more local channels. So Angela Davis became a household figure. And OMG, was she a hottie put? Oh, what a fro. What a fro she had. She had the best afro ever. No doubt. Hey, Curtis, you had a black wife? Yeah. You didn't know? My first Uh wife was black. Man, I knew. I knew something about you, man. Brownsville, man. I was the only white white boy there. Curtis, how many wives have you had? Uh, If you don't mind me asking. Last count, I think five. Oh, yeah. Had a little extra dip in your hip, man. I, yeah, I see you, man. Yeah. Well, let me let me point out, you mentioned Carlos Santana, the great Carlos Santana. I saw him at the Fillmore East when it was uh, open there. Billy Graham had it on 2nd Avenue. And I also was there in the ninth Precinct while I was getting locked up, and he and his group was getting released. Getting released? Yeah. They had a party at some uh, tenement apartment in Lower East Side. I think he was living there for a while with his group. I guess they got into some kind of brawl, so they were letting them out when they were processing me in. Wow, Curtis, what a background. Now, back to this Angela Davis thing. I just think that this is just the best. This is, I mean, what a case for reparations. Is Angela Davis going to sue herself now? For reparations, she descends from not just any group of white folks, but the Mayflower, oh, the oh. the colonizers. Oh, you breaking and my heart. Then, and then, and then she has some slave owner mixed in there, too. Oh, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. I remember I was in Irving Plaza, right there on 14th Street, and there uh, waiting for her release because she was on trial in San Jose, federal trial for trying to spring George Jackson and the Soledad brothers, which she did. And she got away with it. And so her sister, Fania, was there with Gus Hall, leader of the American Communist Party, to praise Angela Davis. And you were there. Hell yeah, I was there. I was raised on rules for radicals, Saul Alinsky. You kidding? I used to get, along with my daily news every day, I used to get the Daily Worker. Did you hook up with uh, Angela Davis's sister, too? No. I mean, you hooked up with everybody else, Curtis. No, no, no. Remember, she was uh, older than me. I was just a teenager at the time. You know, What's I, that got to do with it? Well, because she was there on a tour. She had toured the Soviet Union. She had toured Red China, Cuba, naturally. They all toured Cuba. Come on, that was back in the 60s. 
I know. Was I was actually, just a little... yeah, no, you were just a young little whippersnapper. You see, I was raised never trust anybody over thirty. Never trust anybody over thirty. And in the few weeks that I was in Canarsie High School after I got kicked out of Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuits shined their boots on my backside in my senior year. I joined the George Jackson Soledad Brother After School Student Council Group. Curtis, you were a total left-wing loony radical. Totally. WBAI. I was listening to WBAI. I was not listening to WABC spinning stacks of wax at that time with Cousin Brucey. What changed you into a normal human being? Crime. Crime. Wherever I went, crime, crime, crime. And I was saying, what are you going to do about crime? So I remember I was a registered Democrat, 1972, my first election. I voted for George McGovern, who got crushed by Richard Nixon. I went with a million people in the anti-war demonstration upon his uh, inauguration in Washington, D.C. So I was hardcore left. Hardcore. Okay, but what was the moment you decided, okay, I got to leave all these radicals behind and now join the normal world? Well, I guess after getting chased out of every black and Hispanic neighborhood in the city of New York, and they couldn't give a flying flip what my color was because it was all about crime, and then dealing with the Supreme Cousines and organized crime, and I said, gee, the radicals don't want to deal with crime. The Democratic Party, the traditional Democratic Party, doesn't want to deal with crime. And they still don't. No. Do you know, you, I'm sure you heard what happened out in Missouri today. Their little light on crime prosecutor who let this guy off the hook, another one of these repeat criminals, um, and he ended up killing somebody in a crash. Uh, her name, of course, she's one of these uh, Soros prosecutors, Tim Gardner. Uh, she, she refused to resign, but the Republican Missouri attorney general has used the power vested in him to fire her. And she's gone. Another one of these that believes let criminals roam the streets no matter what they do. Yeah, well, remember, they tried the same thing uh, with the Philly DA. He was the first of the Soros-elected DAs. The the Pennsylvania legislature, remember, in Harrisburg tried the same thing, except they weren't able to do it. They were not able to do it. No, it's a plague out there. But I got to tell you, if you really want to understand the left... Uh, because I dabbled with communism and socialism and anarchy. I went to Hunter College. They had, believe it or not, uh, Golden, James Golden. They had an anarchist convention. I walked in. There were all these black flags in the cafeteria, and I asked my typical Weisenheimer question. How could the anarchists have a convention? They don't believe in organization, structure, or leadership. And you know what they did? They kicked I me kicked out. you out. I had long hair. I had all the buttons, free Angela Davis, the Soledad Brothers. Man, I was hardcore. I wish I had kept my free Angela poster. Oh. Because I'm telling you, I mean, we were in love with Angela Davis back in the day. Oh, God, she was, I mean, forget Foxy Brown. She was the Foxy lady. And, of course, Pam Greer. Let's not forget Pam Greer. Yeah, well, Pam Greer. Let's not. Yes. And that, of course, uh, you know, that Quentin Tarantino movie with Pam Grier, yeah. uh, Jackie Brown. Yep. Even when she was, how shall we say, uh, a more mature woman, she still had a, has it going on. Oh, my God. You didn't want to mess with Pam Grier, man. She would basically take your three-piece set and you would be speaking like Michael Jackson. 
For those of you that need a translation for that, I'm not going to be the one to give it to you. Thank you, Curtis. Very much appreciated. Are you in touch with your first wife, uh, number one? The only wives I'm in touch with are the ones who have my sons because I have to. And on that happy note, Curtis, we'll thank you again. (laughs) We'll be back. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. On Santana Day, Boston Early's Rush Hour. Back in a moment. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. We are the crown jewel of American radio. It's Santana Day here on WABC. Well, on Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. You know, this is one of those albums, every time, you, if whatever your favorite song, you will remember where you first heard it, Supernatural, the album by Carlos Santana. Josh Hammer, columnist, is with us. I first became aware of Josh reading his columns at Newsweek, but his columns, you can find them in so many places. Josh's. Josh, thank you for being with us this afternoon. Both nerdly. What a thrill. Thanks for having me. Josh, everybody's uh, looking at the Republican races. That's where all the the mainstream press energy is, whether it's bashing Nikki Haley, trying to smash down Ron DeSantis. Of course, the continued uh, Trump hate that is just part of and, and the woof and warp of of mainstream press. But you have a column about the Democrats. <gasps> Finally, someone's writing about the Democrats. <laughs> and you say in your column, which might come as a surprise to some folks on the left, that the Democrats don't have a lot of good options coming up here. Explain, sir. They really don't. I mean, I think Joe Biden, to say that he is an incredibly weak incumbent, would be severely, severely understating the point. I mean, the man is in palpable mental and physical decline. Uh, you know, I, I take no particular pleasure in saying this, but, you know, just the other day I was listening to him over with Zelensky in Kiev. You almost feel bad for him. I mean, I mean, you have to almost feel bad for the guy. I mean, I mean, wouldn't he rather kind of spend kind of like like his elder years, like at home, surrounded by loved ones? I don't know. But the problem is, Bo, when you start to look at Biden's possible alternatives, obviously, if you're going to deep six the incumbent, then you necessarily need someone to replace him. The next three names that come to mind for me, at least as far as my reading of the tea leaves in Democratic circles, are Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg and Gavin Newsom. And 
all three of those are worse than the other. There are are simply no good candidates who come to mind. I mean, Kamala Harris, the staff turnover in her office has been remarked upon by even the liberal press. It's an incredibly leaky staff, and no one seems to like for her. She does extremely little good for the Biden-Harris taken. I think everyone knows that. It's the world's worst-kept secret. Pete Buttigieg might be the worst transportation secretary in the history of the Department of Transportation, given everything happening from train derailments to the FAA grounding all flights just a month ago or so. And Gavin Newsom has presided over the first population decline in the history of the state of California. So my guess is they'll have to roll the dice with Biden, but there are just no good options here, honestly. When you look at the, let's say, Gavin Newsom, by the way, was survived a recount. He is popular. I don't understand how or why, but in his his own state for the people that are left there, and there were 700,000 people that escaped from California, net loss, I think, those moving in about half a million people. But he still seems to have a base, and he has been, I'm sure you have too. He's running for president, whether people want to admit it or not. Every other week, he seems to have a line of attack for either DeSantis When Nikki Haley came out, he had some snarky remark about her. He's even out uh, uh, trying to to trade some barbs over his ex-wife, who quickly uh, snapped right back at him. But he's out. He is clearly trying to elevate his own standing. Do you think that among liberals and the hardcore left, that Gavin Newsom is the strongest of the bunch? You know, it's funny you should ask that. I was at dinner just the other night down here in Florida where I live with a few conservative friends, and one of them actually speculated that even if Biden does decide to run for re-election, she was speculating that Gavin Newsom would actually primary him because he is very ambitious. You're absolutely correct to note that. He is very deliberately cultivating a national profile. He has picked various fights with our governor here, Ron DeSantis. He's, He's clearly itching for the national stage. And his series of policies are obviously quite far to the left. I mean, he is kind of a classic California liberal progressive and all that that entails. So I guess I see the appeal for the activist far left. Now, you have to remember here, as the Democratic Party goes further and further down the rabbit hole of intersectionality and identity politics, it's going to be increasingly difficult for a white man to win the presidential nomination. I, I, I say that. Sincerely, I mean, I mean, with all sincerity, it was kind of a miracle enough that Joe Biden won the last time. But, you know, in 2024, it'll be even more difficult for for a white man to win. But, you know, even if they go ahead. Whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Whoa, hold on. Who's left? It's Kamala or the white guys. (laughs) Well, it's true. But, you know, remember that Pete Buttigieg's sexual orientation at least gives him a slight hand up right in the intersectional Olympics, so to speak. Um, Okay. uh, but 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 Gavin Newsom, you know, look, I mean, I understand the appeal for the far left, but I, again, California was, you know, that was the iconic American state, though, for so long, going back to its statehood in the middle of the 19th century. They gain population every, every year, and people are just fleeing this state finally in droves. So it's hard for me to see his appeal to anyone other than the activist far left. Hmm. There's always Sam Brinton, uh, but okay. <laughs> So let us say that that Kamala is stepped over. Now, how is that going to impact the ever-present black vote, which is what Democrats claim they have to get 
of course, my contention is Democrats don't really care about the black vote. They take it for granted. They just assume they're going to all they have to do is badmouth the Republican, call them racist. That takes care of that. The blacks will go with the Democrats. But how are they going to assuage those in their party if Kamala is not the choice? And by the way, the Democrats also believe in the it's my turn philosophy. Uh, unlike sometimes Republicans go with the it's my turn. That's how we got John McCain, I think. That's how we got Bob Dole, I think. But what happens if Kamala is passed over? Or I should say when she's passed over. And Mitt Romney too. Let's not forget. You know, he was he he, oh. he did very well in in the 2008 primaries, and then he was uh, the next time around in 2012. Look, I I think you're asking a great question. I mean, I was reading an article recently. It was out of Politico or CNN. I can't quite remember. And you know, there are any number of top-ranking Democratic officials who look at Kamala Harris's complete lack of visibility on the national or international stage. The fact that she is just to be very candid, is just not well-spoken on the issues. I think that would be a polite way of saying it. And a lot of folks are trying to shove her aside, but you're totally right. They have no idea how to do so without just ticking off a large swath of the Democratic base, including many black voters, but you know, certainly not limited to, to black voters. And I don't think they have a good way. Well, I think his call just got... Uh... Uh, dropped there somehow. I don't un- quite understand how. Uh, did we just lose everything? We'll get him back. Yeah, well, in the meantime, I'll tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. The phone line just dropped. Isn't that interesting? Mysteriously dropped. The phone line suddenly died. Suddenly died. Your calls are coming up. We're going to try to get Josh back for a quick minute so that we can say goodbye properly and finish the thought on Kamala. But your calls are coming up, and I can't wait. We have so many people that want to comment on Angela Davis or other things. We will get to your phone calls immediately after we wrap up with Josh on Boston Early's Rush Hour. Don't go away. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, rush, rush. Carlos Santana brings us back from the award-winning Supernatural album. This is Primavera. No, I love this album. I love every song on this album. But I got to tell you, this is my favorite song on the album. Carlos Santana's playing. 
his guitar playing on this album. It's totally amazing. Josh Hammer's back. I don't know. His phone line suddenly died, or maybe our phone line to him suddenly died. There's a lot of suddenly died going on out in our society today. Josh, you were just riffing on uh, Kamala. Let's finish that thought. Yeah, so sorry about that. Uh, so Kamala Harris, look, I mean, she is, uh, there's no way to describe properly how unpopular she is. And Democratic talking heads, and I think the party heads know that, but they're going to have an extremely hard time ditching her. I mean, remember, this is the president of the United States, Joe Biden, who, when it came to his one Supreme Court pick, explicitly said he would pick a black woman who comprised roughly, I think, 2% of the national lawyer pool, by the way. But they're, I, I don't see a way for them to do that. I mean, I mean, I am open to possibilities, of course, and, but, but they're, they're not going to be able, I think, to kind of unpack that Pandora's box. I, I, I think that ship probably has sailed. And as far as Joe Biden running for reelection, if he does so, I think Kamala is stuck on the ticket, to be honest. Wow. And that could be brutal. Josh, it was great hearing from you. We hope to hear from you again and have you on many times in the future. I enjoy your columns very much. Tell people where they can find you, Josh. Sure thing. No, you're so kind. Thanks. And my columns can be found at uh, Newsweek's opinion session, newsweek.com slash opinion. But any number of other conservative sites as well, Town Hall, American Greatness, Daily Signal, Daily Caller, lots of conservative media out there. So thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this. And we'll have you back. Thank you, Josh. Let us head to the telephone. Oh, by the way, a little inside stuff here. Uh, Diego, let's let's scratch our usual closing theme and use uh, the, uh, yeah, Primavera, because I just want to hear more of it. So, oh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to do anyway. So well, I see great minds. Thank you. Let's go to Nick in Queens. Nick, how are you? Thank you for waiting. How are you, Nick? All right. But, uh, mega dittos. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I want to make sure that we mention uh, Gato Barreri, who was Carlos, Carlos Santana's lifelong friend who passed away recently and who's on many of those albums. But, Thank you. Um, I, uh, I was a radical back then, and I got to tell you, she was, she was smooth. Angela, Angela Davis. Yeah. She made me go to law school, honest to God. Because I mean, she was. She she was a, a budding. Was she finished law school then or was she um just a, a I think she was a prof, she was a what was she, a law professor at that point? She did her second year and uh she, and, and she she dropped out. But right. uh I, I um uh, here's, here's a good one for you. When my six months out of law school, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And one of my first court appointments was the Guardian Angels. <laughs> I get an appointment by uh, Judge Corso, who's dead now, rest in peace. And uh, they were they were uh, a brand new organization. They were not, weren't even six months old, and uh, they needed representation. They had been. They've been booked on a couple of charges, and I get them off. You know, I, I got the. I was so proud of myself. So I go home, and uh, I said to my father, "Hey, I, I got. A, I won a case today." And he said, "Oh, that's great." He says, How, "Did you get paid?" I said, "No, but I loaned them five bucks." <laughs> you know, the guardian angels, and, and this is credit to Curtis. And I will say this to people all the time: Curtis has spent. You know, you heard about his radical past when he was on here, but Curtis has spent most of his life 
protecting New Yorkers. And that is something that people should not forget. This is a guy who put his life on the line and those guardian angels of his. Not just, and it's spread from New York all over the world, by the way. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Brad, New Market, New Jersey. You're up next on Bo Sternberg's Rush Hour. How are you, Brad? Hi, Mr. James Golden. Thanks for taking the call. I saw the show with Dr. Gates and Angela Davis on PBS last night, and uh, it was really surprising at the end. So I figure I could be related to, to I got Mayflower people back in the way back times. But uh, the thing that I remember most, uh, Dr. Gates, he exposes so much interesting information that proves a lot of the things that people believe are all like it's all fallacies a lot of the the stories people believe about their history i remember he had one uh, there was a jewish plantation owner that was a confederate uh, uh officer in the in the army and uh, just there's so much interesting stuff that people would uh, find hard people to believe. do not know people don't know that there was a regiment of black troops fighting for the confederacy they don't know that either and you know who used to have a picture of those guys dr walter williams had a picture of them in his office Thank you so much for the call, Brad. Appreciate it. Let's go to Gina in Brooklyn. Gina, how are you this afternoon? Oh, hi, Bo. I tried so many weeks to get through to you. I just want to tell you, I love your voice. If I'm going out close to four and I hear you coming on, I got to stay home another hour. Oh, you are so just sweet. Li- Thank you. Just to listen to you, man. You are so all of that. And I want to thank you, too, because the other day, like three weeks ago, you played Barbara Acklin, The Love Makes a Woman. Oh, yes. And I just, oh, man, I was like, this man, like, I want to kiss you. I wanted, I waited Saturday, too, to tell you to play maybe uh, the other one she did that was so big, um, Am I the Same Girl? And I, I never got through because you have so many interesting people calling you. Sometimes I just rather listen than hear myself speak. But uh, I love you so much, and I want to tell you something. You are the man. When it comes to music and your solo, and I love Curtis, too, you know, he knows he knows about music, but when you play Barbara Acklin, I said, oh, no, you rain, man. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. You made my day. I love you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Andrew, Stan Hope, New Jersey, how are you? Good. I was going to be funny today, but I can't when I hear people praising Skip Gates. He's a liar and a detriment. I spoke with him at the Newark Museum. And he uh, agreed with me about the importance of having followers in the home, in the black home, yet he votes for leftist policies that take him out. I was on another shoot with him, and he literally, I have it on tape, he said that his African-American encyclopedia, if every black person in America has a copy, there'll be no poverty in the black community. So you can't be more out of touch and a liar and a detriment than that. That's ridiculous. Well, he's not here to defend himself. He is not here to defend himself against what you're saying. So I don't really like to start calling people liars. Uh, But let me just put it like this. His work in genealogy, I have not found anyone that says that he is inaccurate in his work of genealogy. Now, you may be talking about something else. I wish he could defend himself here. But he's had all kind of people on from all walks of life and uncovered, well, mostly the celebrity class. But this statement to me that he made, this, this, this finding with Angela Davis points to me the fallacy of reparations. 
our past are so intermingled with each other, those of us that are born in America, those of us that have been here for generations. We don't know, most of us, the full extent of our past. And yet you have people going along on these single lines of race as if it's just one monolithic thing. And this just demonstrates something that I say a lot. There is one race, and that is the human race. And when you start going back through DNA and all the rest of it, you can see pretty well how this world is, even homogeneous, what used to be homogeneous societies are now finding that they aren't as homogeneous as they thought. And this is a perfect example. Here, um, one of America's number one radicals has a past that links her to the Mayflower, and not only that, to the slave-owning slide side of our slave past in America. It had to come as a shock to her, and it was well worth it. Let us go to uh, Susan in Brooklyn. Susan, how are you? I am terrible, James. This ugly, ter- I, and I hate to be Debbie Downer on Santana Day, but um, this issue of the pandemic treaty is raising its ugly head again in a very big way. And time is of the essence. I, I, I need, we need you, James, to please get Michelle Bachman and Dr. Naomi Wolf on this because Biden is very likely to. Um, you were talking about this treaty that's going with the WHO, correct? Yes, that there's a meeting going on uh, in the next next week that Biden could sidestep Congress and use a, Obama's blueprint that he did the Iran deal under a treaty that put us into complete control for our public health decisions to be part of the World Health Organization. Now, and let me just has- say, I understand people's fear about this, but I am not as panicked about it as a lot of other people. One of the things that, uh, and, and this, by the way, Susan, what you're pointing out to is the need to have a strong opposition party. And you're right. The blueprint that Obama used for the uh, global warming deal that he made in Paris, the so-called Paris Agreement, was actually a treaty. And under our Constitution, all treaties are supposed to be ratified by the United States Senate. And that treaty should have been no. It was a treaty. It was an agreement between nations. Well, the WHO isn't a nation state. But there is still no way that this thing will make... Oh, I say that, but then again... Look, we still have a strong Supreme Court. This, if he does sidestep Congress on this, this will end up guaranteed in litigation. Folks, if you don't know what what she's talking about, there is a treaty, an agreement, supposedly because of the pandemic, that will give the WHO a lot of power to regulate how uh, how these pandemics are handled in across borders and it is something that has to be stopped now if it is not stopped and joe biden does in fact adopt this i guarantee you it will be litigated and i see no way 
that it would survive litigation. But again, I'm not a lawyer, so perhaps you're right. We had Naomi Wolf on, Dr. Naomi Wolf, a few weeks ago. And we did say that we would get back with her, so perhaps it's time to get back with her, because there is a lot of concern about this. And Dr. Wolf is certainly one of the foremost experts on these kinds of matters, so I do appreciate that suggestion. Arnold, oh, nope, can't, we're done. Another rush hour. Come and gone. Thank you for being with us on this Santana Day. WABC Talk Radio 77. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your loved ones. We will be back, God willing, tomorrow. Same time. Bye.